one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to everything you need to know about music, where tonight I, Jason, am sitting with my friend Michael. Say what's up, Mike. What's up? And his older brother, but slightly older, not too much older, Kevin. Say what's up, Kevin. Hello, Jason. <laughs> Hello, listeners. And I look a lot older than him, though, by the way. Uh, but they can't see that because this is on a podcast, so it's, it's not video, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, we're going to get right into it tonight with This Is My Jam. I am inspired to do this for Kevin based on the last podcast that we just did, which was an awesome podcast on the Black Crows album, Shake Your Money Maker. Shake Your Money Maker. That's right. Um, so I'm going to play this for you because I recently went on a trip with the family for summer. And um, while on a boat, there was this really funky soul music, like, uh, let's call it a, like a station, like a Pandora station or some sort of mix that was playing. And I was like, wow, this is really odd for this to be playing on this boat right now. But anyway, some of the songs were amazing and I had no idea who they were. So I Shazammed it and I found out about this group and I want to play it for you. Have you ever heard of the Teskey Brothers? T E S K E Y. I think so. They're kind of like Americana sort of stuff. Or I'm gonna call it blues. blues. Okay. And maybe even some funk. So okay. 2017, the Teskey Brothers. This is I Get Up. Ooh, I like that riff. And really. I mean, organ, bluesy guitar, really similar to the yeah. stuff we were just talking yeah. about. Really, really good. And Australian. It ain't easy sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Dude's got a voice. That's great. When you get broken down again, it ain't because you didn't try. This whole album is exactly like this. Every song is just this good. It's amazing. The Teskey Brothers. The Teskey Brothers, Half Mile Harvest is the name of the album. But it's hard. Very nice. Yeah, yeah really good. I don't know that. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Sure. Really, for really sure. cool. So that was This Is My Jam for this week. Uh, Kev, you want to go next? Sure. Okay. All right, Jason, let me preface this jam right. for this evening. As we had talked on the James Brown podcast, I think, or at least you did, that you're big in Poland right now. This, th <laughs> yes. this show is big in Poland. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And just so people know what that means. So every week I get a uh, podcast update from a service called Chartable and they send how you're doing on your podcast with uh, not only rankings in different categories, but also rankings uh, in different countries. And it's always wonderful to see some of the countries because they're not necessarily English speaking countries, but right. they're big into podcasts. And I think that's really cool that it's worldwide. So yes. Now, Poland is usually on the top five. So it's very cool. And I remember at one time Thailand was too. Yeah. We had asked some of your you know listeners that were that were from Thailand, send us some of your favorite songs. I think we played one of them. We did. Right? Yep. So I went looking for Polish music. Okay. As an ode to to all the Polish people here that have been listening to your podcast. So right. let me play this now. Oh wow. <laughs> Is that Polish? Wow. Yes. It sounds like Spanish or like right. Latin in a way. Right. I really like it. 
I would not have known this is Polish. So, all right, real quick. This the name of the song is Poderami Troy Hates Slowchut. I'm oh sorry, people of Poland, that I just you can write your in language. and correct him at please, everything please music podcast at gmail.com and please do. Um, the name of the band is called Bemebek. Okay, and I'm playing the, the live version from 1972. So they are a Polish band that played a mixture of jazz, bossa nova, oh, yeah, and a bossa tinge nova. and a tinge of rock. So that's where you're hearing yeah, kind of that a little Latin bit of that, sound. Little, yeah, yep. It was founded by Alexander Bem, who played drums and provided vocals. His sister, Eva, which by the way is E-W-A. Thank goodness that Google was able yes. to tell me how to actually pronounce that. Yep. Because I would have said Ua, but no, it's Eva Bem, and she was on vocals and tambourine, and other handheld percussives. Um, she's also known as the first lady of jazz. No in kidding. Poland. Yeah. Wow. And then Andre Is Ibeck who played the keys, whether electric or the regular old pianoforte, and he was also a uh, vocal contributor, too. So you can definitely hear that Latin sound. Let me play it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little more. It, now that you said bossa nova, it sounds like early 60s bossa nova music. So this was, yeah, yeah. 72. So let me, let me kick it forward, though, just a little bit. Okay. There's something really cool, especially in this live version that I didn't hear in the recorded one. Can you hear that guitar? Yeah. It's almost Santana like Yeah, it is. It really is. If you asked me, I would have not said it's Polish. That's really cool. Um, So the name of the song, by the way, translates as... I'm not going to pronounce it again, so I don't butcher it, but <laughs> it's uh, Give Me a Little Sunshine, which huh. was supposed to represent how something bright and fun like this tune could still show up in what was, at the time, a very stern life in communist Poland. And I urge all your listeners, um, go go look at the video, because it does a good job of juxtaposing like the cold, There's dreary. a video. There's a, yeah, this is on YouTube that I'm playing. Um, so it's a video. It's a cold, like dreary, gray winter in 1972 Poland. And then when the when the band is on playing the the, the song and they have like an orchestra behind them, it's like bright and cheerful. And no, um, and that's you great. Know, Eva's shaking the the, the percussive, you know, <laughs> like shakers or something. It's, it's, it's not a tambourine, or but yeah, like 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 some sort of maraca type instrument. Um, so I thought it was really cool. If there's any other Polish songs, yeah, we, that you guys we would like we to know. To, please let us know. Yeah, please, t- please write in. That would be great to hear. Oh, that's good. Good job. All right, Mikey, you're next. All right. So picking a jam is always difficult for me because how do you pick one song for your day? Yeah. And especially since about two thirds of the music I listen to is the Foo Fighters. (laughs) So I did a little experiment today. I said, I have, um, there's an AI DJ on my streaming service. Oh my God. I was just going to ask, did you use AI? I did. And I said, the first song this DJ picks is going to be my jam. Come and I on. wanted to make sure it was a good jam, and it was. So wait, 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 wait. When you say AI DJ, what does that actually mean? What did you do? It it's it's called DJ on Spotify. Okay, and it's a real voice. It sounds like a real DJ, and he talks. Come all, on, it sounds like the Fresh Prince. It sounds like the Fresh Prince. A little wait, bit. and sorry, you because of the stuff that you have because what, of liked everything or else stuff I've that listened play? to okay, since okay. the ten years. So it knows a bit ten or like, so years that I've had Spotify. It knows my taste. How to curate. Okay, cool. Got and, it. Because uh, I don't have Spotify. I use Apple. So I gotcha. Okay. Yep. And so it picked this song for me. 
Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's well chosen right off the bat. Wait, do I know this? From the 80s? From the 80s. Oh, I do oh, know yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wait, that's a good pick for you. It's a good that pick. That is a good me. pick for you. Wait, but I don't know who the artist is, I don't think yet. Kev, do you do you know? Wait, don't say it yet, Mikey. Oh man. It sounds a little bit like Roxette. I know it's not. No, it's not. Later. No, 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 no. Is it somebody famous that was in a band and then uh, want me to tell you her first big hit? Yeah. Well, many people have done this name, Gloria. Wait, is the name of the first hit? First hit. No, it doesn't help me. What's the... Is it? Is it just her name, like first and last name, or is it like yeah, a stage her, name? It's her first, first, first and last name. name. Laura Branigan. That's wow. it. Good job. Ooh, that took way too long, man. Wow, well done. So... I would not have got it. It is a song I really like, and I'm guessing the DJ picked up on it from all the new wave yeah. uh, songs <laughs> yeah, I was listening for to. for sure. But coincidentally, uh, back in 2002, I was playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Okay. And there was a station called Fame FM, and this was one of the songs on that station, and I would play it over and over <laughs> as I'm driving through Miami, <laughs> killing people, carjacking them, and so it just brought me back, and, you know... Totally coincidental. I listened to it on that, uh, but that's yeah, funny. I think Wait, the AI, the AI worked in this case. Like that song was on the video game, or like you oh, yeah. programmed it to play on the video game. No, it was on. It, you could it had you could steal cars and then get in the car and change the radio station. Yep. And Laura Branigan, that yeah. song was on there. It was on Fame FM. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. All right, good so. jam. I haven't heard that song in a really long time, and I would have not have gotten it. So, Kev, kudos to you. That's fantastic. Cool. All right, so let's get into our, our episode this evening. We are going to do a part two, so to speak, of One Hit Wonders. Uh, last time when we did our One Hit Wonders podcast, we had a lot of people go, uh, you should have done this one, you should have done that one. Even my own family was like, wow, why didn't you include this? And there's so many. And I didn't realize until after we did it, everyone has a little bit of a... Um, what's the right way to say it? An opinion on what they think a one-hit wonder is and then also an opinion of what a one-hit wonder should be and the ones that are the best. It's funny because, for example, there was a few people that I spoke with that thought one-hit wonders can only come from the 80s, which I thought was like, no. Right. <laughs> right. But be, and I kind of understand that. For people our age, like that was kind of the time when we grew up in the, this is the only, only song I know from that artist. Absolutely. And, yep. and, Th then you think of it, that's it. That's a one-hit wonder. And then when you get a little older, you realize bands have multiple songs. And I get it. I understand that. And I think the 80s piece is MTV, right? right. Oh, we, maybe. We grew up yep. with the yeah, MTV maybe. generation. And so a one-hit wonder was probably more apt to get played yeah. and get and, and get out there into the mainstream. Again, we, we talked about a lot of different one-hit one wonders from you know all over. Uh, you know, kind of the time frame. I had one as far back as 1959. 50, yeah, I remember time. that. Yep, yep. But yeah, I, for sure, obviously, as, as Gen X, I mean, you know. But I found that one funny because I never thought about back. it that way. Um, but what I thought we would do first is maybe talk a little bit more about what we think our one-hit wonders are. Mm -hmm. um, we had the bit of an, like a, a discussion last time about, well, does it is it the Billboard Top 100 and then that's it? Or is it just a Top 40? 
And then Kevin, you had done a great job by people that had made the top 40 and then never made it again, never made, charted no, again. It made number, number one. one. Sorry, made number one. Yeah, like ne- the never ultimate. made the top 40 again. It right. made number one and never never ascended back into the top 40. Which I agree is like the ultimate definition. Like you yep. hit the pinnacle right. of it popular and then never again. Well, and I think top 40 for us, at least for me, because of Casey Kasem, yeah. that's why top 40 rings more than 100. Yeah. Because you heard anything from the top 40 much more often than you did obviously the 100. So that's my criteria has pretty much been they had a great hit. Last time it was all the way to number one. Right. Never went again to the to the top 40. But this time I have a couple that are you know not, they didn't make it all the way to one, but they were clearly the only hit that they had right. um, that ever made the top 40. That, that Casey Kasem ever said, you know, this is our long distance dedication. <laughs> yeah, right, so. exactly. And, and then, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, and my interpretation is probably the most lenient. Okay. Uh, mainly because... I want to pick songs that I really, really like. Me too. Like I could say yeah. Macarena was a great one hit wonder. Sorry. Hope, hopefully none of you guys have that. No, no. Um, yeah. Which it was, but I don't like the song. Right. So right. what my interpretation is more of, if you ask the average person on the street about a band, they could only name this one song. Ooh, that's good. That's good. That That's a good definition. The average Joe. Right. What would they say is this band's song? Or could they name any other songs besides that one? Oh, even better. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then another thing we didn't really talk about last time was, are we only counting U.S.? Because there are some times where there's a band that will chart very big in U.K. or Uh, elsewhere and very low here. So it's a a one-hit wonder here, let's say, but over there they had tons of hits. You brought up uh, Come on Eileen, which you said that that, uh, Dexy's Midnight Runners had three albums on the greatest of all time, which is crazy to me. I only know that one song. I mean, I I think for our purposes, because we live in these United States of America, <laughs> you have to and, stick and to that. Yeah, yeah. You have to stick to <laughs> yeah, that. That's, that's what we know is one hit wonders. I think that's fair. Right. I think that's because come on, Eileen, which we did in the last one, is clearly a one hit wonder here in this country. If you had to ask me, I think I mentioned at that podcast, what is your definition of a one hit wonder? Right. It's that song for me. Right. It's so huge of a song, and I know nothing else about the band or them or any other song. That to me is the definition of a one hit wonder. So, how do you want to do it tonight? Do we want to? Is there anything else we need to say about your specific uh, criteria or your specific songs, or do you just want to kind of get into the ones that we picked? So the only other thing I would say, if you haven't gone back and listened to the original One Hit Wonders, go go back and listen to it, because yeah. we do a really, we do a, a thorough job of explaining it, including talking about bands like Beck, who had the song Loser, right? but he had, you know, he's critically acclaimed. Uh, Fiona Apple was another one we did, where, where yep. Criminal was her song, and even like The Grateful Dead, yep. you know, with Touch of Grey, but yet they have such a big following that right. none of those three I just talked about are really one-hit wonders, even though under the definition we just said they would be. Does wonder mean, because I, I think the term not only has like that alliteration or rhyming thing, but I think it's like, I, it's, it's almost magical they made it. There's almost like a, I can't believe that they got as high as they did kind of a mystique to it. Is that what one-hit wonder kind of means? Like, it's amazing they got as high as they did. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know if it's so amazing is, or just that they had such a great song and then for some reason they never had another one that was main, yeah. Yeah, probably mainstream enough, right? Uh, or just, uh, you know, a, a, as in that moment that that's, you know, again, like you said, you know, it's something you always remember, right? right, right, when, right. You, when you hear that song for the first time, yeah. that, that, that is the one hit wonder and it sticks with you and then they never ascend that height right. ever again. All right, so we don't know what everyone else did. Um, I have a few. I know everybody picked some that are important to them. Who wants to go first? Mikey, you want to go first? Sure. Okay. So to stick with my definition of just being a little more lenient. Um, right. 
again, I want to pick songs I really enjoy. And this song I truly enjoy. Even though this band did have some success internationally, they had one hit in the U.S., at least in the top 40. Okay. Uh, even the top 100, they only had one. Okay. Paste Magazine did name this song the best one-hit wonder of the 1990s. It's an American music magazine. Hmm. Okay. Here. All right. It's also a controversial song. Is it? As, uh, although the lead singer, Richard Ashcroft, negotiated <sighs> rights Mikey. to the sample of this. <sighs> we picked the same song. What? Yes. We picked the same song. I have no idea who Richard Ashcroft oh, is. I know John on. Ashcroft. I think Man. he was the secretary. Son of a defense. All right, well, you can help me out. Oh, crap. All right, go. So, Damn it. I'll, I'll keep going. You can fill in where you want. So he negotiated the rights to wait the a minute, sample. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't say the sample yet. Okay. Don't. Because I would love to, to see if Kevin, who I'm sure knows the story of the sample in its original form, can put the two together. I could not before. You know, if I just listened to the sample... I would not have said, oh, yeah, that's obvious. Okay. Just me. As like, I can't, I, kn- I can't play an instrument. You know, I'm just listening by ear. Okay. It, but, okay. Well, maybe you don't know what I was done. Until I listened to Oh, so you did some the, research. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Can we just play the song first? Let's play the song. <sighs> We're like doing this together. I like it. All right, Kev, do you know this? I know you know the jam. A, a right, collaboration. June 16th, 1997 is when this came out. Okay. Yeah. Here it is. UK band. Oh, yeah, I know this. Yeah. Do you know who it is? This is The Verve. Very nice. Bittersweet Symphony. Yeah, very good. Great, great song. And I, I, I know the story, so you guys oh, can You tell do? It. Okay. Yeah. Oh. All right, I'm going to see how deep you know this story, though. All right, Mikey, go ahead then if he knows it. Wait, can we just get, can we just get a little yeah, bit of this? A little bit it. of this? It's so good. I'm going to say, unless you're going to say this, it's a song about. All of the beautiful and tragic moments of life and the confusion and need for love and acceptance from between money and capitalism. Oh, it's such good beat. Thumbs it up. I will be very interested to hear you guys explain the controversy. Okay, the cool. I'll let I my, don't know if I've ever heard it. It's uh, it's pretty I mean, I, it's pretty cool. I mean, I know what the what you it's do know. About, okay, all right. But, we'll take it from the top. We'll go all the way through. But I can't it. hear it in my ear. Great band. The huh? video's great. He's walking down oh, the street, yeah. real slow. People are bumping into him. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, a little bit. Trying to make ends meet, you're a slave to money, and then you die. I'll take you down the only road I've ever been down. All right, go ahead, Mikey. Talk, let's talk some controversy. So go good. Ahead. Yeah, so, and, yeah, we, so, and we did say it's Bittersweet Symphony, right? Bittersweet, bittersweet Symphony yep. by The Verve. Yes. So The Verve and lead singer Richard Ashcroft negotiated the rights to use a sample of Last Time from the Rolling Stones. Do you have that? I do. Okay. Can you play it? See, I don't hear it. You, okay, well, wait. We'll, we'll okay. walk you through this. because it's the original. See, see, yeah. You guys know sampling way better yeah. than I do. Well, listen, With your, with your rap backgrounds. So, this was the band's first original song that was released as an A-side single in Stones. the UK for the Stones, yeah. for the Rolling Stones. Now, you hear that guitar riff. And his, vo- yeah. and 
Jagger's voice, like his intonation, does sound a little similar, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. He's going along with that kind of melody. Okay, now if you do, do you want to tell the story of how the the what came after that album? Do you know that part? I know. I know there was another an orchestral version. Yes. Do you know about the orchestral version? Mm, I don't think okay. I do. Maybe, right. that's, so, maybe that's the missing piece for me. So the Andrew Oldham Orchestra was a musical kind of a like a side project for this guy, Andrew Logue Oldham. And he was the original manager and record producer for the Rolling Stones. Okay. And so what he did was, there wasn't like an actual orchestra, but he would take... Um, session musicians and kind of get them together very heavy on the strings and um, or orchestral type of instruments okay. and would just basically make instrumental uh, versions of rock songs and because he was so close with the stones some of the stones would sit in and actually play and he would do a lot of the stones songs so one of the songs that he did was last time and it do you have it i have and it, it right goes here. like it goes like this this is his version. And when you hear it, then you'll understand. So this is the this is the this last like a, time. This is the Muzak version of Basically, yes. Oh yeah. Then you hear it. Sorry. Like, I can't hear that in the original song, though, because right? Because if you, you have to slow it down, the, okay. the Keith Richards guitar part, keep, and keep, keep playing that. So, Mikey was just saying, and I'll, I'll let him finish, but they actually asked for permission and got it legally to, to essentially interpret. Yes, the Verve took legal action to get and be able to use the interpolation of this song and get the sample, so to speak. Uh, Andrew Oldham Correct. from Decca Records. Correct. However, go ahead, Mikey, you want to take it from there? Yes, the Rolling Stones' former manager... Alan Klein right. had the copyrights to all the pre-1970s Rolling Stones music. Correct. And he would not uh, allow them... Well, he did not give them permission to use it. So Decca in... So Decca Records they, gave it to him. Right. But Alan Klein didn't. And so because of that, the Verb had to relinquish all royalties to the Rolling Stones members, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, were, have, were added as songwriters. All right. royalties. All royalties. Wow. Yep. All. That seems... It's crazy. Okay, we need to do a podcast on, we do, on stealing music. Because some of this stuff is ridiculous. Or, or, because or what's considered I understand, stolen music. Stole, and, I, I understand, it, like, if you stole it or whatever. But they legally, like, attained... They thought they did everything right. And they still, they still got kind of screwed in the process, which is crazy. Until 22 years later. Yeah, go ahead. When Klein's son was, the Verve reached out to Klein's son. And so because Alan get, Klein died, right? Yeah, he died. His son was took over, and he was able to get a, a meeting with Jagger and Richards, right? Yep, correct. And they See, gave in, yep, yep. and they said, "You got all the royalties to this song." I think even back royalties, right? Correct, about five million bucks or something. Oh, so they, they got had, paid they everything yep. back. Yep, yep. And now he has. Richard Ash or the Verve, Richard Ashcroft has writing credits for this song alone. 
and it's now his song. In 2018, wow. Ashcroft said, quote, someone stole God knows how many millions of dollars off of me in 1997, and they still got it. Anyone, unless you're mentally ill, will always remember the day when $50 million was stolen off of them. Yeah, now, yeah. it's not $50 million, but the point still stands. They did everything correct, right. and right. They, you know, they applied for the legal rights to sample it, and they got it, but they forgot one piece, and that really stinks. Wow. Isn't that wild? Now, do you know this, though, Mike? Uh, I don't think so. In an odd twist of irony, if I may... Let me play yes. this for you. Although the last time is credited to Jaggard and Richards, the song's refrain is very similar to This May Be the Last Time in 1954 by the Staple Singers. Ooh, check this out. So they were upset that they were sampled, but actually this came first. This may now. Maybe not right here, but hold on. This may, this may be my last time. So this is like slowed down version. Hold on. Wow. Now, Keith Richard acknowledged this, saying, We came up with the last time, which was basically a readapting of the traditional gospel song that had been sung by the staple singers. But luckily, the song itself goes back into the midst of time, so they didn't have to get a sample. So it's like, it's like in the public domain, public, basically. Public domain. Yeah, That's correct. Because right. okay. you can't ever trace it back. It was you know, right. basically everyone kind of covered it. Got it. So that all controversy, and yet theirs is a bit of a sample, yeah. a bit of a pull wow. as well. Huh? Isn't that crazy? That's yeah. a great story. But it's such a good song. I mean, oh, God. Great song. I mean, Bittersweet Symphony is phenomenal. And. You know, I feel like this band should have done more. Like, yeah. it is a one-hit wonder, but I, I, if if you ask me, I don't know. I would think that they would have other hits. They're, they they seem right. better than they were. Not here, but no, right? Is that what it was? I, I think they were bigger, bigger in, in UK, Britain, right? right? Yeah. Good tune though. All right, Mikey, that was good. I like doing that one with you. That was yeah, cool. That was fun. All right, we picked the same one. All right, then Kev, awesome. I guess it's only appropriate that you go next. Right, I guess I gotta go next then. All right, so for my first entry, I'm going to go back to that criteria that I did the first time, which this is a number one hit song oh, went cool. all the way to one for an artist who never again made the top 40. Okay. You ready? Yep. Oh. Yep. I know it. This is, can I say it? Absolutely. Mikey, you're going to help me with this. This is... Ring my, Ring bell. my bell. Got it. Who's uh, it? Anita Ward. Jason from yes. downtown. Nice. I went to Great that. tune. You got both. Great tune. Wow. Haven't heard this in years. This is right up my alley, too. You know how much I love this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So awesome. She got a great voice. Great. What year? 1979. Yeah. Post disco funk or is it still disco, you think? It's disco. It's disco, isn't it? Yeah. Listen to those backing vocals. <laughs> yeah. The little boo is so good. Hop and talk about that. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Look at the hook. So good. Can't wait to hear about this. I know nothing about her. Nothing. 
So, you know what's funny though? You ask, is it post disco funk? Which I listened to your, your your great podcast on that. I everything that I read points to disco, but maybe you know. it's on the fringe though. No, because there's well, no seventy nine. You're like right there. You're right, right there. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it could be, it could still be played in the disco clubs for sure. All right, so let's talk a second about Ms. Ward. Okay. Um, she was born in Memphis in 1956 and was a school teacher until um, a record contract was extended to her because of her lovely singing voice in the 1970s. Wow. So she was recording her first album when presented this tune by Frederick Knight, who was the founder of Wana Records and also the principal songwriter for Ring My Bell. He wrote it for another female, who I'm going to discuss a little bit later. Okay. But when this female bolted to another record label, Knight insisted that I need to take the song. However, Ms. Ward, she didn't like the song at all. No kidding. So Knight convinced her, though. He said, all right, what we need to do then is we need to put a dance track over top of it and try to seize on the disco era, oh, which wow. is what you heard there. So it, I can't find the original because it was written for somebody else. And yeah. It was never published. But they changed it so that Ward would, would agree to it. And again, no make, make it way. more disco sound. Yeah. So she eventually acquiesced, and then she recorded the song. It's probably a good thing for her that she did, because it went to number one in 1979, and I'm sure paid a lot of bills. <laughs> yeah. Play it again here a little bit. Number one. You know what's funny? I would not have guessed it went to number one, though. Great tune. So um, some of the interesting song elements here, that descending tom sound that sounds like like a missile dropping, yeah, which uh, kind of like from the Gap Band, right? You yeah. dropped a bomb on me. Yeah. That is from a Sinair electric drum, which is basically like a drum synthesizer hybrid. Okay. So again, it was a descending tom when they hit it, and you know, yeah. made that made that right. missile-like sound. And also heavy, heavy use of chimes in this song as well. Play it again. Ready? Ready? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> and you, and you, you definitely have that disco guitar. Oh, there, right? definitely the little chicka chicka. Yeah, yeah. That's disco. You're right. So, um, <clears throat> it was said. Oh, and then by the way, the final piece of it, obviously, her her uh, beautiful and arching voice really helped make that song. Yeah, the hit that it was. Yeah, I think without her vocals, I don't think that ever goes yeah, anywhere. Right. So, it was said that this song might have sexual connotations. However, Knight squelched that perception. Might have sexual might? Well, no. He, here's why. They're saying no? No. Oh. He said, remember, remember how I told you earlier that he wrote it for another female who ended up leaving his record company? Yeah. yeah that was Stacy Lattishaw. I don't know that name. Well, she was only 11 years old, and she oh. was a singing prodigy when Knight wrote the song originally and gave it to her, and it was supposed to be a song about teeny boppers. Uh, kids just talking on the telephone. Oh, come that on. Was the ori- oh, that, ring my bell. That, gotcha. was, the, wow. that was the original uh, intent. No. So, as for Miss <laughs> Lattishaw, <laughs> wow. um, she probably should have taken the tune because she never lived up to her teen phenom uh, expectations at her other record company. Her biggest musical output would be a collaborative record with a guy. Let me, let me play a song from it so okay. you guys know who this is. This is her singing right now? No, no, that's him. Oh, it's him. Okay. This, this is a collaboration with, with the gentleman. That's her. This is called Where Do We Go From Here? No, I don't know this. Right. 
she's got a great voice too. No. It's almost Whitney like, right? Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Let's see if he cuts in here in a second. See if you guys can figure out who she's collabing with. Oh, she has some pipes. Is that Luther? Yeah. It sounds like no. Luther. It's not. Oh, it's not? not. James Ingram? No, wait, wait. Peebo Bryson. Nope. It does sound like those guys. Though. Well, it's Luther. Nope. Johnny Gill. Johnny Gill. You got it. You got it. Wow, good job, Mikey. So, you know what? It's funny. The reason I, I, I wanted to play that with Johnny Gill is because you and I, or you guys, we had a text string going about him. I am definitely going to do him for This Is My Jam. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. So, all right. Um, for Ring My Bell, it hit number one in Canada. Wow. Spain, the United Kingdom, and Norway. And then it topped the Billboard Hot 100, as I mentioned earlier. And then it also made the top spot in American Disco uh, uh, tracks, Hot Soul, Dance, Cashbox and record world charts. Wow. The last two being, um, industry, I would not have guessed it went that high. Nope. Yeah, so I know the song for sure. Anita would never chart higher than number 87 again. So she is what I would consider no, another definitely. number one yep. to nothing. One hit wonder. Great pick. Great pick. All right. Let me go next. Mikey, if you don't mind, since even though we kind of did that one, don't that steal last my one. other one. No, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> The, uh, the next one for me, I'm just going to start. I'm just going to play it. Um, I know you know the song. It is. It got number 13 is the highest that it got on U.S. billboards. It was the only hit for these guys, 1972. I picked it for you both because I feel that it has a little bit of Yacht Rock. Ooh, I know ooh, it's nice. not in the, in the sweet spot of where it needs to be. Yep. However... Uh, it sounds yachty to me. Well, you know, there's a lot of Yacht Rock one-hit wonders, so I love it. Here you go. Tell me what Send you think my of way. this song. Oh, yeah. Yep. Do you know who this is? King Harvest. Wow, good call. <laughs> good job. Yes, King Harvest. French-American rock band. Formed originally in Ithaca, New York. But broke up and then reformed in Paris, where they began uh, s- singing their first songs, and this was their first hit. Oh, just where'd the French come from? I know. I, yeah. At one point, the band actually had three keyboardists, which is odd. But one of them. Hey, what's the name of the song? This is "Dancing in the Moonlight." Oh yeah. Um, one of the three uh, keyboardists was a guy named Sherman Kelly, and Sherman Kelly and his brother Wells Kelly. Wells Kelly was famous for being in one of the original members of the group New, uh, uh, Orleans, right? Um, I would say Yacht Rock as well, right? Um, but actually, Sherman Kelly wrote the song in 1969 because he was recovering from a terrible assault by a gang. Ooh, wow. Yeah, he uh, in, Fran- in France or in no? Ithaca? Actually, he said, "quote On a trip in Saint Croix in 1969, I was the first victim of a vicious Saint Croix gang who eventually murdered eight American tourists. At the time, I suffered from multiple fracture, uh, facial fractures, and wounds on my left hand, and uh, was left for dead. 
While I was recovering, I wrote Dancing in the Moonlight, which I envisioned an alternate reality and a dream of a peaceful and joyous celebration of life. So he gets out of the hospital and he forms a band in 1969 called, which I think is such a great name, Bofalongo. (laughs) <laughs> is the name of the band why did they switch to king harvest no off it, it, it was totally different it wasn't even the same guys and this was their hit now they didn't they didn't really have any uh success with it but they recorded this and i gotta say i might like it better this is Buffalongo. this is the original this is the original wow it just flows a little bit for me so this is 69 yeah Buffalongo. now we get Oh, this is great. Isn't it great? Is that, it sounds That's like him. Dr. John on That's the, uh, Sherman Kelly, yeah. Wow. Isn't it kind of groovy? Right? Absolutely. So anyway, going back to the original. Um, King Wait, ha- so the King Harvest, is it considered a cover or not because it's the same guy? So it's the same guy. It's the same artist. So okay. no, it's not so a he's, cover. He's re-releasing. Yeah, because he's the songwriter. He can gotcha. do it with whoever he wants. Okay. But yeah, the, the King Harvest version is absolutely the bigger version. And it's such a great song. I, I like Every time I hear it, I'm like, you know what? This is just a fun, feel-good song. Great song. What year? 73? Uh, 1972. 72. Yeah. Yeah. So I think from a yacht perspective, that's why it's not considered yacht okay. too early. A little early. Okay. Yeah. Because it's got to be what? You said 75 75. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that one for me is such a great one. Oh, I yeah. Wonder. But I'll tell you what. I mean, kind of like Brandy. I mean, I, I, I consider yeah, this. You can you know. Uh, yeah. It makes the boat. This is on the boat. For <laughs> it's sure. It's on the boat. So there you go. Everybody. All right. That was on my classic sound of the 70 CD, which I did. I steal that from you. Yeah, you I did. think I did. You did. All right, Mikey. Bofalongo. How great is that? It's good. I love that name. All right. Okay. So my, my next pick, uh, it, it's different for me. It's maybe a little on the poppy side, but it's definitely still rock. Okay. Um, good. When you said, I was like, oh, did we do this again? Did we pick the same one I again? I hope not. <gasps> okay, um, no. So no, mine's, mine's not rock. Go. All I'm going to say is that it's from 2004. And I hadn't heard this song in at least 10 years when I ran across it oh. and thought, okay, this this song was great. I forgot about it. Really? And I think it's a one-hit wonder, although, again, this, this band has five studio albums. Wait, sorry. Five studio albums? Yes. One hit. And Will it's, we this, know this it? This is their first single. Will we know it? You'll know it for sure. Okay. Los Lobos? No, 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 Close. no, 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 no. Uh, Los Bravos? No. No, no, no. You got the first I, one, how far right. is heaven? Right? Isn't that the song? Yep. What is it? How far how far is heaven? It's just heaven. Oh, it's just heaven? It's it's not John Meyer. John Mayer, yeah. right? It's not it's Los like John Lobos? Mayer. It's Los something? Los Lonely Boys. Uh, I don't oh, know. Oh wow. Sounds kind of like Los Lobos, though. Wow. I had the lowest part. Yes, you did. I love the harmony. Yeah. Yeah. That guitar is great, too. Great. Are they like a Tex-Mex band or something, or is it just... They are uh, Texican rock and roll. <sighs> yes. Combination of rock, blues, soul, country, and Tejano. What What year? Yeah, 2004. Wow. Oh, Kevin, you don't know it? I, 
No, you've, I've, you've surely heard it. I've heard it. the song, I, and I've heard Los Lonely Boys. I would have never known that that's who sang that yeah, song. No, I mean, like no. I said, from the opening riff, I thought it was John Mayer. Similar. Cool. Right. Great guitar. Good stuff. Yep, very good. This is well out of your wheelhouse, by De- the way. Totally. Totally. This is not you. But I really liked I I remember loving this song when really? it came out. Yeah. So, and I, I thought I, you know, again, not knowing much about them, I thought I saw them like in... I don't know if it's commercials or, or something. So what, what they've done a lot. They've done a lot. They've just haven't had another big hit. Like really corporate it, stuff and playing with other people in the U.S. Or yeah. I mean, or is there any other countries? I, you I know? don't. Um, I mean, they're from they're from they're from Texas, right? Okay, wow. they didn't hit here San Angelo, Texas. Okay, so three brothers. I also would have said sorry. I would have said it was earlier than two, you said two thousand and I I thought so. I thought too. it was in the nineties. Wow. Okay. Was when this came out. Wow. So again, their first hit. It went to number eleven. They never had anything else in the top 40. Wow. Um, nothing even close to the top 40, actually. So the three brothers are Henry, Jojo, and Ringo Garcia. Ringo. Ringo. There you go. Of San Angelo, Texas. Okay. Uh, again, this peaked at number 11, and it won a Grammy for Best Pop Performance by a Duo. Was it in a group. movie or anything? You know, probably. No, no, no. I, I don't know. Like I remember it being a very big deal for a very a, short period of time. It was a big song. Good tune, though. I totally forgot about this. Yeah, like me too. You said, I me totally, too. totally forgot I hadn't heard this song. in years. Wow. All right, good tune. Very good tune. And and the AI DJ didn't play this one. No, this is not <laughs> the AI DJ. No. And probably never would, but I like that you went You messed up his whole song. algorithm if yeah. you played this out there. Oh, my God. That's good, Mikey. All right, All right cool. that's it. All right, Kev. Am I up? You are up. All right, for my next selection, I say, see if you guys know this one. I know you're going to know it. All right. Ooh, yeah. Uh, that riff is iconic. Mike, you know it? We know it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. May I May I say it so I just can feel good about myself? Go right ahead. This is um, 8675309 slash Jenny Jenny. Correct. Tommy Two-Tone? Tommy Two-Tone. Nice. That was our roommate's nickname, by yeah. the way, that Jason gave him. Yeah. Who, Arvin? No, no. No, our other roommate, Nick, Nick would have had a last name which was similar. So I used to call him uh, Nick, Nicky Two Toes or Tommy Two Toes or Tommy Two Times. There was many variations thereof. Great, great song. And yes, a quintessential one-hit wonder, I would think. I mean, I think as iconic as Texas Midnight Runners. Way right? up there, yes. For, for a one-hit wonder. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. What is the story of this song? Oh, you know Jason. I'm going to tell you. I can't wait because I don't know it. It seems just one of those silly songs, but it surely has a deeper meaning. All right. So unlike the other one-hit wonders that I've done so far, including Ring My Bell, um, this one did not hit number one. Oh, wow. On the Billboard one, Top 100, Hot 100. If you asked me which one of those two songs hit number one, I would have said Jenny Jenny. I mean, with, with the ubiquitousness, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, remember... Ring My Bell was a little bit before our time because it was 1979. Oh, you think it was, it was bigger during that well, time? And we might be, it was maybe have missed it. Yeah, okay. Too, right. So, I mean, yeah. especially for me, I was a little more yeah, no. cognizant at that point. Plus, you know, MTV. This yeah. was big on MTV. Uh, it was a huge success. Uh, received a ton of airplay in 1982 when it was released. Played a ton throughout the 80s. Um, you know, like throughout the whole 80s, right? The, yeah. the song was played. Yeah. And still, I think now when you go back and you go to like an 80s party, this song's always going to yeah. be on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, so it's got a bright power pop style that it's a fun tune musically, but it's probably most famous for its subject matter. 
And that, of course, is the phone number and this mysterious Jenny. So there's a few different versions of the lore behind the song. Okay. Jim Keller, he was the lead guitarist in the band and also one of the songwriters. Um, he told People Magazine in 1982, right? Not, not shortly after it came out. Jenny is a regular girl, not a, I'll use uh, woman of the night. Okay, right. Uh, friends of mine wrote her name and her number on a men's room wall at a bar. I called her on a dare and we dated for a while. <laughs> wow. I haven't talked with her since the song became a hit, but I hear she thinks I'm a real jerk for writing it. <laughs> So that just wow. added to the allure of the tune, right? Oh, so here's this guy who wanted to date this girl. He put the number on the wall, you know, created this whole story. Right. But later in 2003, um, lead singer Tommy Heath. So by the way, the band is named Tommy Two-Tone. The guy that sings it is Tommy Heath. So wow. I, I didn't even know that before. I, started. I, yeah. thought, I thought he was Tommy I, Two-Tone. I would have right? guessed that. Yeah. Nope. I would have guessed that. That's the band. Did you know that, Mike? No. No. So, um, and by the way, like Elvis, Tommy Heath did not write this song. I was wondering when in this podcast you were going to make mention of that. (laughs) So he told the WGN Morning News that the number was indeed real, and it was a number of an actual girl that he knew. He explained that he wrote it on a bathroom wall in a motel where they were staying as a joke, and we laughed about it for years. (laughs) Wow. However, the other principal writer of the song... Uh, along with, with, with Jim Keller, who was the lead guitarist. Uh, this guy, his name was Alex Call. He wasn't actually in the band, but he wrote the song with, um, uh, with Keller. And so he discussed the genesis of the tune with a magazine called Song Facts in 2004. Okay. And he said, and I quote, despite all the myth, uh, mythology to the contrary, I actually came up with the name Jenny and the telephone number and the music and all of that just sitting in my backyard. There was no Jenny, no, no real Jenny. No way. I didn't know where the number came from. I was just trying to write a four-chord rock song, and it kind of came out. This was back in 1981 when I wrote it, and I had, at the time, a little squirrel-powered four-track in this industrial yard in California, and I went up there and I made a tape of it. I had the guitar lick, I had the name and the number, but I didn't know what the song was about. So this buddy of mine, Jim Keller, who is is the co-writer, he was the lead guitar in a band called Tommy Two-Tone. He stopped by that afternoon and he said, Al, it's a girl's number on the bathroom wall. And we had a good laugh. And I said, that's exactly right. It's exactly what it is. Wow. Tommy Two-Tone has been using this story for years <laughs> that there was a Jenny and that she ran a recording studio Stop and it. so forth. And hey, it makes it a better story, but it's not true. I love that. He said, that sounds a lot better than I just made it up under a plum tree in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. So there, there's the lore with the song I Jenny. I remember vaguely like some sort of DJ or something talking about how the, the, the song came to be. Or maybe he was, maybe Tommy or whoever the guy was at the time had like, Tommy you know, they, they, they talk a little bit before the song comes on about right. the song or whatever, telling that story or I mean, something to the effect of like that. Again, the song's great. And it's memorable because you know you, you can you can say the number so easily, but there's no doubt that this mythos behind like, yes. who Jenny was yes. really added to the whole thing. Am I wrong? And I don't know if you have this in your notes. Did do I remember also him saying like there are certain uh, uh, areas of the country where that is one of the numbers that they no longer right. use so or let, something like that? Let, let me get that. That's oh, the next part. No of way. Answer. Okay, great. So outside of the origins of the song itself. The other fun thing about this song was the havoc that it wreaked on anyone who had the number 867-5309. Oh, my god! Because remember, in those days, we didn't use area codes very right, often, right? right? Yeah. Everything was pretty much local. Yeah. Um, so, Lorene Burns, an Alabama uh, homemaker who was formerly at 
205-867-5309, which is the Alabama area code. Uh, she said, when we first get calls at two or three in the morning, oh, no. my husband will answer the phone. <laughs> he can't hear too well. They'd ask for Jenny and he'd say, well, Jimmy doesn't live here anymore. So he, she said, Tommy Tutone was the one who had the record. I'd like to get a hold of his neck and I'd choke him, she said. <laughs> so she changed the number in 1982. Oh, that's great. So similarly, uh, Charles and Marlene Schomberger, who lived in Akron, Ohio, oh. which at a number of 216-867-5309, Michael and I, our family lived in Ohio in that same area code at Come that time. On. So back then, if Mike and I were old enough, because we were probably too young to prank call. Yeah, we would have done it. Charles and Maureen would have gotten our call. <laughs> so they were incensed with all the dials to their number and asked Ohio Bell, who at the time, that was you know, the AT&T. Right, right, before they, sure. Uh, before they broke them up or whatever. Uh, or actually, after they broke them up. To try and trace the prankers, but the company was able, unable to do so. So Charles and Marie said, we don't, we don't know what to make of this. The calls are coming in from all over the place. A little over a month later, they disconnected the number. Oh, my God. Now, here's the flip side. Some enterprising folks out there use it to their financial advantage. So WLS, 890 AM in Chicago, uh, a radio station, obtained the number from a local woman and received 22,000 calls in four days to help promote their station. Oh, come on. And That's I, actually very smart. Yeah. Do you guys remember, and this is not that long ago, um, Ben Franklin Plumbing. Yeah, I know the name. The commercials who took the toll-free 866-867-5309 to market their business. So their commercials no. had... Yep, absolutely. And then, this is the best one, I think. A pizza place in Fort Collins, Colorado, to this day, uses the number 970-867-5309, as it's called... Totally 80s pizza, which fits perfectly for the theming with their, that's with their that's, restaurant. That's brilliant. So I mentioned that the song didn't hit number one. It did hit number four, though. Oh, and okay. Tommy Two-Tone, technically, you know, under, under my top 40, he had a song, or they had a song uh, that was number 38 the year before called Angel Say No. I don't Any know of you guys song. know that one? No. 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 Uh-huh. So outside, probably the most fervent Tommy Two-Tone fans that were out there, <laughs> I think we're absolutely correct to call Jenny 867-5309 as a one-hit As hit a one-hit wonder. One. Wow, what a great Definitely. story. That's awesome. That's so cool. Ah, well done. It's a great one. All right, can I do one more? Yeah. All right. This one's kind of for Mike and uh, slightly, slightly bit for Kev uh, as a poking, maybe a bit of a poking fun because he likes to do that with me with Elvis. So I have to find Uh small ways to get him back if I can. Um, This song that I'm going to play now reached number nine on the billboard and was certified platinum. And it was made by a gentleman whose nom de plume was Marcel Theo Hall. Somebody's getting in trouble. (laughs) And I am using that purposefully incorrectly. Uh, This is Just a Friend. That you tried to date, but a year to make love, she wanted you. Kev, to do wait. you know this song? Let me tell you a story of my situation. This is Bismarcky. Well, I think we talked about before why I know Biz, right? No, I don't know that. Did we? Did we talk about Yo Gabba Gabba? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't oh. know if we talked about it on here, but oh. that's where I, I mean. The TV show Yo Gabba Gabba, he, right. was, he was on that. <gasps> I didn't know that. Yeah, with Mark Mothersbaugh from. No Devo. kidding. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. We talked about that, but I didn't know what Biz Marquee was. In 2021, this song was ranked number 480 on Rolling Stone's top 500 best songs of all time. I did not know that. Wow. Listen to how bad it is on purpose. Like, he's just got such an interesting style. Because when I asked, do you have a man? She tried to pretend. She said, no, I don't. I only have a friend. Come on. So it's just fun. That's what I'm going to say. I love it. But you say he just a friend. But he's not gonna win any sync on this or James Brown. Yeah. I mean he's off on purpose. He's just a he's a oh, goofball. Yeah. He's an absolute right. goofball. But I wanted to play this because this is also a sample. As most hip hop in the late eighties, early nineties was. Sure. But do you know the original? I don't think you do. Uh. The original was done by Freddie Scott in nineteen sixty eight. And I came across this song maybe three or four years ago when I was discussing samples with Seth. Okay. Okay. And he said, well, do you know about the Freddie Scott Biz Marquis song? I said, what? And then now I will say this version, the original version is just fantastic. Tell me what you think about this. This is called You Got What I Need by Freddie Scott. And you want to talk about a soul brother. Wait. Just listen. Just listen. Just listen. It's so good. Now that's singing. This is great. It's phenomenal. So how is Biz Marquis even considered a sample and not a cover? Because they don't say the same stuff. They say a couple of the same words. It's an interpolation. But so good. No, this is awesome. It's phenomenal. Wait for the harmonies. Ooh, I love that. So good. But yeah, this song is absolutely fantastic. If you get a chance to listen to it. Freddie Scott's an underrated soul artist from the late 60s for sure. And he himself could be a one-hit wonder because this is the only one that charted. Oh, wow. So please tell me that he has a writing credit on Biz Marquis. He does. Song. Of course he does. But just listen to the hook. And this is all Freddie did. That's why I've never That's heard it. of it before. That's it. Ooh. Yeah. Really good. I like that. So I went from here good. and dug deeper and... My man can sing. He's got some real deep soul. Love it. Kev, do you ever want to take us out on? All right, let me take you out on something. So for those of you that listened to the first One Hit Wonders podcast, you may remember that when I took, uh, took you all out, it was with Gregory Abbott, Shake You Down. That's right. And his wife, Frida Payne, who did Band of Gold. That's right. Yeah. So it was a husband and wife and you, team. And you said she was a bit older. She was older. Yep. Yep, and that was like a husband and wife. They both charted, and it was they were kind of a double one-hit wonder. It was like a double one-hit yeah. wonder. Even though Frida Payne had one, I think that was like 27, but yeah, none no. of us knew what the song was. No, no. So I consider them both one-hit wonders. So let me do another one. Okay. That's, it's a double. Husband and wife again? Nope. Okay. Not a husband and wife. Let me play the first one, song for you. Here we okay. go. Let me cut forward a little bit here. Okay. You guys know this song. Wait. It's yeah. It's vaguely familiar. Do you listen to much classic rock? Like like classic rock radio stations? Yeah, I do. But I don't know if I know this song. Who's it sound like to you? Oh. Even though it's not. But who, 
because there's definitely a, a band that comes to mind, especially during this time. I don't know. It sounds Floyd-like, uh, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Like Floyd-like. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the name of the song is Lunatic Fringe. It's by a band called Red Rider. They I were, don't know. They this. were a Canadian band. Okay. So it didn't chart high on the Hot 100. But it was number 11 on the regular Billboard rock chart in 1981. No kidding. Yeah. No, I don't know. And if you listen to enough classic rock radio, especially I think on Sirius, you're definitely going to hear this song. So it's a hit, I think because it sounds so similar to to Floyd. Now that you say that, I hear it. Yeah. So it was Red Rider's only hit. However, their lead singer and guitarist is a guy by the name of Tom Cochran. Do you know who he is? Yes. Do you know his song? Life is a Highway. <laughs> Mikey! Well done, wow. Michael. That's kind of like your diddle double again. That's great. So, Cochran is both a one hit wonder as a member of the band, band. Red Rider, and a solo. Wow, that's good. That's well done, Kev. How the heck did you pull that together? Holy moly. That's good. Now, this song always will remind me of the Office episode. I don't know if you guys are Office watchers. Yeah. When he has to move his girlfriend to Utica, and they go in the van, and they listen to that. (laughs) Over and over and over again, because they have to go on the highway, so he wants to continue to listen to this song. It's great. There's not much time. Wow, I would have not put the... That's crazy. So is he a Canadian artist or did he do it here? No, like, he, yeah, he's Canadian. So this came out... Um, but this was it hit like number 11 in the US. Um, this was 1991, so it was 10 years later. That this Wow. Came out. And see, for me, this is most memorable in the movie Cars, even yeah. though it wasn't his oh, song. Oh, that's right, yeah. Rascal Flats yes. that, that covered it. Yeah, that covered it. it, yeah. But that was my son, who is now 19, the first movie we ever took him to. I think that's I mentioned that's right, you did mention that. Yeah, that's right. Wow, so, well this done. Is, this is the end of my one-hit wonder. That's right fantastic. Very good. That's a good. Way. Good job, everyone. And that'll be another episode. I'm sure we'll have to do more of these because uh, it's just there's so many to be done and so many great stories about all these one-hit wonders. They always have a cool little twist to the story of where they came from, which Absolutely. is so great. So with that, we will say thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.